Welcome to week two of our sermon series, Start Fresh. And before we dive in, I want to highlight an event that we're going to be doing in March. Okay, on Friday, March 3rd, we're going to be doing the first ever Love the World auction. Okay, there's dinner, there's dessert, there's entertainment. We've themed it out kind of like an airport vibe. It's going to be great. Okay, there's a live and silent auction and our team has been working hard to get those items ready for you, but we need your help. Okay, maybe you have a business that could donate some items. Maybe you have something brand new from Christmas that you've never even used um, and you're probably never going to use. Maybe you could donate that. Maybe you have a cabin in the mountains or a house at the beach and you could donate a five night stay that could be a live auction item that could raise money for people on the other side of the planet. Or perhaps you want to help sponsor the event so that all of our upfront costs are taken care of. What a blessing. You can do all of these things on our app or on our website. Just click the auction link. The event itself is just going to be a blast. Um, let's raise some money together to make a difference in Southeastern Africa. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at someone who had an encounter with Jesus and he left with a fresh start. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. We're going to read the whole story together. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to his house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Here's a photo of Zacchaeus, okay? Uh, this story is a Sunday school favorite, okay? What kid doesn't like a story of someone climbing a tree to get to Jesus? And if you grew up in church, you may remember the children's song, right? It goes like this. Okay, it's, it's a very cheesy song. And once it gets stuck in your head, it might never leave, okay? Zacchaeus was short, and the song calls him a wee little man. By the way, isn't that a bit insulting? Okay, if you're describing someone who is vertically challenged, you better not call him a wee little man, okay? What else do we know about this Zacchaeus? Verse two, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Okay, he was a tax collector. We meet lots of tax collectors in the Gospels, but it is only here where we meet a chief tax collector. Okay, he was a rich tax collector. Uh, I grew up on the Disney movie Robin Hood. Okay, anybody else too late to be known as John the First? He's sure to be known as John the Worst. Great movie, great songs. Do you remember the tax collector in the movie? It was the Sheriff of Nottingham. 
okay? And in the movie, and also in first century Israel, taxes impoverished the people, okay? I'll never forget him stealing the last farthing from Friar Tuck. And in the first century, the Romans would recruit tax collectors from the very people they oppressed, okay? They would take Israelites and make them become the tax collectors. And they would give them a set amount that they would need to collect. And anything above and beyond that was theirs to keep. So if they had to collect $1,000 in taxes per week, they could charge $1,800 and keep $800 a week for themselves. And there was no court of appeals. You had, to, you had to pay whatever they said. And everyone knew this is how it worked. So as a tax collector, not only did you take money from your own people, but you were a collaborator with the oppressor. You had a Roman guard with you everywhere you went because you weren't safe. No one liked you. You were hated. You were hated more than all the other notorious sinners. Tax collectors were greedy, evil, betraying thieves. And Zacchaeus, the wee little man, he was the chief tax collector. A person reading this in the first century would have all kinds of angry feelings arise within them when they read the words tax collector. Because it was theft. Just because it wasn't done in a back alley with a mask on doesn't make it not stealing. Whenever money changes hands, whether across a grubby table in a tin shack in a dusty village or across a sparkling computer screen in a shiny office on the 99th floor of a Wall Street skyscraper, the hands all too easily get dirty, says N.T. Wright, New Testament theologian. A tax collector was seen as much worse than a common street criminal, a common thief. Verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. He didn't know a lot about Jesus, but the little he did know made him curious. Not curious about religion, but curious about Jesus. Zacchaeus could have gone to the temple, could have gone to the synagogue. He doesn't. He wasn't curious about religion. He was curious about Jesus because Jesus had this disciple and his name was Matthew. And Matthew, he was a tax collector. Maybe Zacchaeus knew him. Maybe Matthew worked for Zacchaeus and he left that life to follow this itinerant Jewish rabbi named Jesus. Zacchaeus is thinking, here is this rabbi that doesn't treat people like me with disdain. Not with judgment, not with contempt. He doesn't hate me. And so Zacchaeus was curious. I gotta know more. I gotta see this guy. Verse four, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus really went on a limb to find Jesus. I oh, thank you. Okay, it was crowded. There were people all around. So this rich man runs ahead and climbs a tree. He didn't hesitate. He didn't procrastinate. He did not postpone or prolong his curiosity. No. What could have happened, he could have said, well, I mean, it's very crowded today. Perhaps I'm going to catch him on his next trip through Jericho. Zacchaeus did not know that had he procrastinated, he would have missed it. He would have missed Jesus. Because Luke tells us 
that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and it would be his last trip. Procrastination leads to missing out, okay? I thought of that point just last minute. Zacchaeus would have missed his fresh start. Later becomes never. Gloria Pitzer wrote a clever little poem called Procrastination. She writes, procrastination is my sin. It brings me naught but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. What are you putting off? It's okay, just even right now, still your heart for a moment and ask that question and answer it. What are you putting off that God wants you to do today? Zacchaeus ran and climbed a tree. Those two things uh, for a man to do in the ancient world, it's so rare. There are only two scenarios in which a distinguished man like Zacchaeus would run. If he was running for his life or if he had just committed a crime. He was dignified, yet he became undignified by running and by climbing. This week, I read of a pastor who was ministering to a couple um, that had been attending his church. The couple had children about the same age as the pastors, and so there was an obvious connection there. The wife was a Christian, and her husband, he wasn't. He came to church with the family, but he always kept everything arm's length. And the pastor and the man began a friendship, and there seemed to be like a stirring in the heart of the man. And the pastor encouraged him to give his life to Jesus. The man said, there's a huge part of me that wants to follow Jesus, but I'm in the oil business. And when I work with potential clients, my boss tells me to spend whatever you need to spend to grant these clients what they desire, as long as it comes with a contract at the end. And so he told the pastor, this is what I do. I provide what these clients desire so that my company can get a lucrative contract. So you see, pastor, I cannot give my life to Jesus just yet. And after some time, the pastor was once again with the man and the man said, I can't do it anymore. I'm changing jobs. I got to get rid of this company. And once I do, I'll commit to Jesus. The pastor said, don't wait, follow Jesus now. Today is the day of salvation. The man replied, just two weeks, I promise I'll be out of this role and I can follow Jesus. The pastor said that that was the last time he saw the man. His company made him an offer that he could not refuse. Following Jesus isn't casual. It's not like deciding, should I go to the gym today or not? No, following Jesus is being all in. Like the great hymn says, were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. When Jesus is everything, he's not for sale. So don't delay, don't procrastinate. The curiosity of Zacchaeus moved him to run ahead and to climb a tree. Now, what is Jesus's response to this? Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus invites himself over, okay? Zacchaeus, get down here immediately. I'm crashing at your pad today. What an unexpected response, okay? We're gonna talk more about this later, but what does Zach do? Luke says that he welcomed Jesus gladly. The Greek phrase 
is hypodecomai kairo, to receive with exceeding joy. He received Jesus with exceeding joy. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. To share a meal with someone in the first century was the second most intimate thing that you could do with another person. And so the crowd begins to mutter. Another translation says murmur. The Greek word is diagon gizo, to murmur. And it's always used of many people complaining indignantly or indignantly complaining. There's hundreds of people around. Doesn't this up and coming Jewish rabbi know who Zacchaeus is? When we see the blessings of Jesus come upon people who really just don't deserve it, we murmur as well. We just do it in the quiet of our own hearts. God, you're blessing them? They're judgmental, they're prideful, they think they're right, but me and you both know that they're wrong. Why do you share meals with them? Why do you bless them? Why do you love them? Murmur, 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 mutter, mutter, mutter. We join the crowds in opposition to Jesus. Verse eight, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He gives away 50% of what he owns and gives everyone that he's defrauded 400% of what he took. The law only required 10% of our wealth. And when you defraud someone, the law didn't demand four times the amount. Now, Zacchaeus goes above and beyond with generosity. He didn't have it all together. In fact, Zacchaeus was the worst, okay? But grace preceded the transformation. Zacchaeus hadn't cleaned up his life yet. But Jesus isn't seeking the perfect life. Jesus is seeking an open heart. Jesus isn't seeking the perfect life. He's seeking an open heart. And he found it in a wee little man. This is so scandalous. If you were there witnessing this happen in Jericho, it's scandalous. But even if you're reading it, it's shocking. Because in the chapter before, Luke just describes this encounter that Jesus has with another rich man. And this encounter goes very differently, okay? Uh, the rich man goes up to Jesus and says, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The life of the ages. And Jesus says the commandments, you know, don't cheat, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie. The rich man says, I have done all these things since I was a boy, since I was a wee little man. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easy for, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then could be saved? Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And he says this to someone who has kept all the commandments since he was little. And then in the next chapter, we meet Zacchaeus, okay? He's not good. He's not a law follower. 
He has cheated. He has lied. He has stolen. And also, he's rich. The very type of person Jesus just said is impossible to make it into heaven. So the disciples in the crowds are looking at Jesus, talking to Zacchaeus in the tree, and he's thinking, this guy's definitely not going to heaven. The last guy, he was rich, but at least he was good. This guy is rich, but he's no good. He's a for sure no. He's a hard pass. Be gone. No chance. Bye, Felicia. Zacchaeus was an immediate no. Yet, Jesus says, today salvation has come to his house. The religious man doesn't receive Jesus and he walks away in sadness. Zacchaeus receives Jesus and has exceeding joy. To one, money was the stumbling block to his faith. To the other, it was the manifestation of his faith. One guy doesn't receive salvation because he won't let go of his money and greed. Another receives salvation and starts giving away massive amounts of money. And these stories are placed right next to each other. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's beautiful. It's the heart of God to seek and to save the lost, the, the people who don't have it all together. Uh, this story, it does kind of irritate me a bit because if one is allowed to be irritated by the gospel, okay, there are absolutely no details about how their dinner went. I wish I could be a fly on the wall. What did Jesus and Zacchaeus talk about? What did they eat? What happened that night? Give us some details, Luke. We are only told of Zacchaeus' reaction. How do you change someone's life in the course of a dinner? Now, maybe Luke is silent about the details because what happens between Zacchaeus and Jesus is just that, something that happens between Zacchaeus and Jesus. We need to have our own counter with Jesus. We need to climb our own tree. We need to do whatever we can to be noticed by Jesus so that he'll invite himself over to our home for dinner. And now we come back to the initial response of Jesus seeing the sheriff of Nottingham in a sycamore tree. Did you notice Jesus' first word? It was the word Zacchaeus. Jesus knew his name. There is this episode of Seinfeld, where George Costanza pulls out his wallet, and it's the biggest thing you've ever seen, okay? Now, I'm ashamed of this, but this is my wallet, okay? Our staff calls it the Costanza. Now, it's not filled to the brim with cash. In fact, I think there's probably only like three bucks in here, okay? But it's like filled with old cards, like some receipts, okay? I don't know what else. Apparently, I'm a hoarder, but it's only confined to my wallet. I remember when I was 13 years old, I got my first wallet and it had a chain on it, okay? I remember putting yearbook pictures of my friends in my wallet, okay? They had this special place for photos, okay? This used to be something that was really popular. Adults would have photos of their kids, with their families in there. I don't really know if people do that anymore, okay? And so as an adult in the 80s and 90s, you would meet someone and if you wanted to show them a photo of your kid, you just open up your wallet and flip through 
those clear plastic holders and show off your family. Okay, apparently a phone does that nowadays, so that's why you don't need those kinds of things in wallets anymore. All of this reminds me of Ron Post. Ron Post started an international ministry called Northwest Medical Teams. It is an aid organization that sends doctors to dangerous regions of the world to help the sick and the dying. Northwest Medical Teams is a $80 million per year ministry. 98% of that 80 million goes directly to work being done on the field. Every time that he is interviewed, he's asked how you were able to start this ministry and why it's so successful. And he responds every time the same way. He pulls up this, this beat up envelope full of pictures of people he has met across the world. The first one was a young Cambodian woman who at age 13 was being used as a sex slave. He told the story of how he rescued her from captivity and how she has new life and love and compassion in Jesus. He showed photo after photo of blind people who because of a simple surgery could now see, crippled people who could walk, the starving who had been fed. He knew the names of every person. When asked why his multi-million dollar ministry is successful, he shares personal stories of beautiful people whose lives had been changed. When I think of Ron Post, I think of Jesus, who, just like Ron, must have a beat up envelope in his pocket. And when asked why he did what he did, why he went to that cross, he pulls out a picture and says, this is Marcus. His parents, they were divorced when he was 12, but he stayed strong and he was there for his mom. Oh, this one, this is Angela. She's got leukemia and she lives every day like it could be her last because it just might be. This, this is Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man, but underneath it all, he's a giant. And he goes on and on with pictures of you, with pictures of me, knowing our names, knowing our thoughts, knowing our shortcomings, our fears, our failures, and our desires. He knows you. He sees you. He loves you. Jesus, we thank you that you know us. We thank you for the fresh start we have in you. Change us from the inside out. May we not delay in climbing a tree for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week is the finale of our Start Fresh sermon series, and we can't wait. We hope you have an amazing week. Grace and peace in Ukraine.